Okay. This could get a little loud. Clap along if you like. Come on, we're going to have some fun here. Sobriety rocks! Sobriety rolls! When you're walking the walk, it's good for the soul. I was dead on the inside. I was out of control. But now sobriety rocks and rolls. Oh, yeah. Now sobriety rocks and rolls. Everybody. Yeah, sobriety rocks and rolls. Oh, yeah. All right, all right. been a while since that happened. Oh yeah. Well, never trust a musician. Give him a stage and a captive audience and then. Well, good morning everybody. My name's Gordon. I'm a full-blown alcoholic. Um. <clears throat> I haven't been playing for a while, so I'm a <clears throat> know how to do this. <clears throat> okay, uh, I want to th uh, thank Marlene and the committee for inviting me here today and I just want to, uh, oh I want to, I want to thank the First Nations of Manitoba uh, for inviting us into their territory. Mose and Miigwech. I think it's appropriate. Uh, boy, it's good to be home. What a treat to be home. <clears throat> I, you know, I, I just love starting the day with a really good resentment. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 th I want to just surrender it now. And um, well, actually, there's nothing better than a real good resentment than two. And. Um, uh, Marlene, if you ever ask me again, could you put me on at night? Because musicians don't usually get up until noon. <laughs> so I could be a little sleepy up here. Um, the second uh, resentment I want to surrender here is, um, uh, Diane usually comes with me, my partner, uh, to these events. Um, but uh, she's uh, in Hawaii. And I'm here freezing my butt off in Winnipeg, <laughs> talking to you people. <laughs> I think that's a justifiable resentment, eh, Duncan? I don't have to put that on my inventory. No, no. Yeah, it's good. Good to be home. See all you guys. Man, oh man. What a trip this has been, hey? Eh? Okay, oh. let me just see. I'm going to try and not do this, but... Um, I sobered up in um, in Saint Patel in the first first step group. That's my my home group, and um, nice to see all the first steppers here today. And uh, <clears throat> I think I'll just uh, I, I'm going to talk about uh, first of all uh, what uh, what happened back there, what was what how things got started, 
I, I grew up actually in Victoria, um, and um, I was just a little runt of a guy when I when I started, and um, I got pu pushed around a lot at school, and it was it was not a whole lot of fun. I had nothing really going for him. I was a total loser at school, and um, but I discovered at ten at at about age ten that I could play drums. I drove my parents crazy playing with knives on the counter, you know, practicing and. And I got into Sea Cadets and I learned how to play drums. And uh, it saved my butt. Because uh, <coughs> um, I, I really had nothing else uh, happening for Gord. It was, uh, it was, I was just a white boat. Um, so we, one, of my first, uh, one of my first resentments was my dad was in the Navy, got transferred up to Churchill, Manitoba. Um, that's how I got here uh, to begin with and when I was 16 and I thought it was that we'd been sentenced you know but uh, you know it's cold up there man um, but you know I got hooked in with a, with a bunch of rock and rollers up there and um, started playing rock and roll and uh, that's what really saved my life and uh, boy there was, uh, you know, I, I had no self-esteem whatsoever until I got playing music, uh, and you get a lot of, you get a lot of points, you know, chicks like it, you know, <laughs> start being popular and stuff, you know. Um, <clears throat> so I, I was quickly addicted to that, to, to getting the attention that I got from being on stage, and um, I pretty much do whatever it took, you know, to get some attention because I was so desperately. Uh, <clears throat> full of nothing inside and you talk about that spiritual hole in the soul well I was desperate to fill it up and I actually found that rock and roll did a, a pretty good job of it uh, until I um, discovered alcohol the combination of rock and roll and alcohol was fabulous now I could be whoever I wanted to be you want me to be a Ringo Starr I'm gonna be a Ringo Starr Charlie Watts I'm, I'm Charlie <clears throat> I didn't know how to just be gored. Uh, it took a long time to figure that out. But um, <clears throat> so I went through this uh, this whole thing about um, um, just uh, getting on stage. I, you know, God, when I was playing at the Saint Patel or the Norland or any of these places here in those days, I had backflips off the lighting grid. You know, whatever it took. Um, I learned that you can actually play drums naked. And <clears throat> you got to be kind of careful. <laughs> but it's entirely possible. I don't recommend it. But it's just how desperate I was for attention. I grew up in a, in a family where there wasn't, you know, it's not that my parents didn't love me. God, you know, like... Uh, I had loving parents, and it was a, a really beautiful family, but they were so preoccupied with each other that there wasn't a whole lot left over uh, for the rest of us. And this is not a, you know, it's not like a witch, witch hunter or anything in my inventories about this. It was just that that's just how it was. And, uh, you know, I, I love those people. Um, but in a, in a situation like that where there's so much addiction and alcoholism growing up in that atmosphere, uh, you know, you learn quickly how to how to uh, deal with the feelings. And you know, I'm I'm a, I'm an alcoholic that's dedicated to pain relief. 
I mean, I know how to how to numb out real quick. Um, <clears throat> so it's you know, and I've learned that you know I'm either going to do the steps and, and learn how to deal with that uh, that achy loneliness inside, you know, through the steps, or I'm going to go back and uh, and do the same old stuff. So <clears throat> I came to um, I came to Winnipeg in the uh, in the mid '60s when the rock and roll here was just on fire, and uh, and I got lucky because um, I got to play with most of the best guys here, and boy, that was a treat um, playing in some great bands and um, recording in L.A. and New York and Toronto and just all over the place. It was really cool. Um, I had a lot of good times uh, playing playing music, and I still do. I'm still playing. 60 and still rocking, man. I figure if you can, you should, you know. I mean, if Charlie can do it at 65, I mean, what the hell. Yeah. I figure I'm just getting started. So, the, uh, you know, I, so with this whole deal, like, you know, like uh, playing through the bars and, and um, you know, touring and stuff, the drinking was always there. I don't know that it really, I hadn't really crossed the line I was just I was just drinking because that's what everybody did, you know. You play in the bars for six nights a week, and people are buying you drinks. And you drink. Um, so, but uh, something happened. Well, in the meantime, I was uh, I got married and a, a wonderful gal and my childhood sweetheart, and we had a couple of wonderful boys, and uh, I was not. I wasn't a great guy. Let's just put it that way. I was not faithful. I cheated mercilessly, and what happened for me was that my infidelity cost that cost me that first marriage. By the time my my oldest son was six, um, uh, she found out that, that I, I was having an affair with a gal in Regina, and um, my bags were packed when I came back off the road, and I was excused from marriage. That was it. And to her credit, she never let me weasel back in. And uh, if one of the wonderful miracles in uh, in my life in this program has been to make amends with that lady, <clears throat> and I give her full credit for the the two sons that I have today. Those kids make me so proud. I give her full credit because it wasn't. It wasn't a lot of fun growing up with Gord. And uh, after I was excused, I, I, uh, it was party time now, okay? You think I'm, or, uh, I think I'm a, a shithead. Now watch me go, right? And I moved in with a whole bunch of other musicians into Fort Rouge and we just partied every night, play every night and then go home and party all night until, you know, until the sun. And, um, <clears throat> The problem, I think that's where I probably crossed the line, <laughs> right, right about that time, because it started just, it wasn't fun anymore, it was just because I had to do it, you know, and uh, I had no, I had no choice, and um, it's a tough place to be, you know, when, when you've got to keep drinking, you don't want to drink, but you've got to keep going, and, um, and, but it's not working anymore, and right about then, was sort of late uh, 70s, um, I discovered cocaine in at a session in a, in L.A. Uh, 
And oh, it was just this now. I found the, the real key to life here. Because now, I, you know, I'd usually drink and I'd, I'd fall asleep, you know, by midnight or, or one o'clock. But now I can drink all night, all through the next morning, all through the next day, the next morning, the next afternoon, the next night. The, you see where I'm going with this? Like, it was wonderful. I'm not one of these coconuts that, you know, just drank water, you know, when they, when they use coke, but I, I drank. I mean, it, it was wonderful. I'd have a little soup on day three, maybe, you know, just to kind of settle in. Or just to kind of... And then go again, you know, just keep going. Till I ran out. And then it was hell day. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I basic, basically just, I, I drank to relax, you know. And... Um, <laughs> But it's tough, you know, when you're relaxed for six or seven days in a row. <laughs> and trying to figure out how to get out of the basement. <laughs> I spent a lot of time down there and I'd moved the bed down and the TV, you know, because it was always midnight in the basement. And um, I just loved that. <laughs> Pretty tough, you know, when the kids are... I mean, I, I, I had to run it to being a single dad there for a while. They, they wanted to come and live with dad. So they did, and oh, man, that was not fun. It's pretty tough, you know, when you're crawling up the basement stairs for another beer, um, and the kids are having cornflakes and um, getting ready to go to school. Then I put those kids through hell. Um, it wasn't pretty. I'd be, you know, playing at night and, you know, having a having a babysitter over and um, and um, come home and, you know, I'd be dragging gals home and, you know, I'm just one of those sluts that, uh, that you know, I let's it wasn't a friendly thing. It was, you know, just let's go to bed and see if we can talk in the morning kind of thing. <laughs> What's your name again? When I got to step four, there was a little bit of work to do <laughs> on the sex problems. It's not that funny, come on. <laughs> I, so anyway, I got into this thing where I was, you know, one of, the, one of my dealers that convinced me that I, you know, I should, you know, quit just buying, you know, like a, a quarter every once in a while, you know, buy a full ounce, split it up, you know, sell it to your friends, and then you get, a, get to keep a quarter yourself, you know made sense to me. I even, I even got a set of scales and I would go down into the basement and be working there all night, make all these little flaps and, you know, just diligent little beaver. Oh yeah, I was, and if you're anything like me, I mean, when you do good work, why, it's cause for celebration. <laughs> hey, just have a couple, you know, just to kind of Relax and I mean I'm drinking all the way through this. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not an imposter in AA, okay? <laughs> I am a drunk, okay? We're just to get that straight. It's just that this other stuff, you know, enabled me to drink for so many days in a row. It's nuts. 
But I'd be down there, and, and so, you know, I, I'm making my pro promises, you know, like, you know, it's going to be different this time. I'm going to sell all this shit. And um, five days later, it's all gone again, and I'm running away, trying to hide from dealers and hide from the kids, hide from their mom, hide from my parents. Uh, it was, I was the fugitive, no kidding. Um, <clears throat> So it got to the point where you know I just stay in the basement, and um, I had this thing about watching late night TV and drinking away, and I don't know what there was this thing about. You know, I'd love to get drunk and get naked, and just walking around. I, it was really tough for the kids sometimes, you know, because they, they'd bring their friends home after school, and you know, I'm just walking around the house, and oh, that's just dad. Don't worry about it. But, you know, around midnight, I'd get lonely. And then, you know, I'd, I'd do the drink and dial. I'd start phoning all my friends, you know. Get all maudlin. You know how much I love you, man. <laughs> hour after hour of that. And I'd get so lonely that, you know, I'd start calling up some of my neighbor's wives. <laughs> and see if they would like to, you know, come over and talk about the kids. <laughs> you know, I thought it was a pretty good thing. I'm such a weasel, you know, I, I look back on, you know, what a liar and a cheat I was, you know, God. It, so, I, you know, I'd, if they wouldn't come over, I'd go over there, you know, the, I knew the old man was out of town because he was a musician like me, and, you know, I knew where he was going. And, so, um, go over there and share Mother Nature's little miracle with her. Come weaseling way, my way back through the back lanes, you know, before sun up. And by the time I got in, got the key in the back door, I had worked it out into my head that, you know, it's a good thing. Like, I, I was actually doing this guy a favor. Because if she's going to cheat on him, it may as well be with somebody he can trust. <laughs> yeah. So it, it got bad after that. I, there was a, a point, I, I mean, I loved to sit and watch TV, you know, like Murray and I were talking about comparing notes as, as cellar dwellers. And uh, I, there was something about the PTL club. I just loved to sit and watch, you know, Jim and Tammy Faye. And, um, and I, you know, I just start fantasizing about Tammy Faye. <laughs> I'm not making that up. Oh, you got that too, eh? I mean, who would make that up, right? And there was something about the running mascara that just triggered the rescuer in me, you know? I just get all, just so, oh, you don't want to. That's probably enough qualification. I think I've, I think I've covered step one. 
Uh, so what happened? <coughs> Lebo and I were talking about this. Is it? We were talking about blackouts, and uh, <laughs> we only had one blackout. The '80s. <laughs> Honest to God, I, I I can't remember a whole lot of stuff that happened back then. So by the end of the '80s, I, I was just cooked. I just I, I was just done. I couldn't stop drinking. It was just day after day after day after day, and all day, every day, and not wanting to do it and hurting everybody, ruining everything at work. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to do this. I mean, we're talking about, I never knew I had a disease. I didn't know, I didn't understand any of this stuff. I just knew that, you know, all I wanted to do was kill myself. You know, how can you keep doing this? I would scream at myself in the mirror, you know. The kids are having breakfast and I'm still going. And, you know, and then, it, oh, here come the promises. So, you know, right after this next line, right after this next whiskey, that's it for me. Never again. <clears throat> and another week would go by. Nothing had changed. So I was, at this point, I'd been working with the Children's Festival here, in, you know, for about 10 years by that time. A great job. And nearly blew it. I nearly blew it. Well, they were having a little fundraiser at uh, the community, uh, what's it? One of the com community clubs in St. Patel. And, um, oh God, there's all these wonderful, polite people, you know, that just kind of stand around and drink like a half a glass of wine every hour and a half or something, you know? <laughs> like, I was just amazed at these people. They, they, they were telling me, uh, you know, my boss was saying, you know, you have to show up in some kind of shape this time. Because if you don't, you're gone. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, the gall of her, you know, to say that to me. <coughs> I recommended you for your job. How, who the hell do you think you're talking to? So, um, but I don't know what it is, but I, you know, every time I had to be good, I had to get bad to deal with the, the stress of trying to be good. You know, it, it, was, it was just ridiculous, you know. It, there was so much pressure. So, um, you know, I, I'd been drinking, I guess, for a couple of days before the, this little fundraiser. And I show up and it's, you know, it's not fun. You know, I'd hired a nice little jazz band to kind of, you know, create a nice mood for this party. And, and I'm at the bar yelling at them, Stairway to heaven! Let's go! Come on! Oh yeah, smoke on the water, let's go. Yeah, they, um, they asked me to leave, so. <laughs> so I left, you know, and I had a gig in Kenora out at Gun Lake Lodge up, up in Manaki the next night, so I figured, well, you know, I'm up already, so may as well just stay up. And, so I went another night, and uh, <clears throat> um, the, the band picked me up around 9.30 in the morning, and uh, they put all the gear in the van, and they put me in between the band gear and the back door, because they didn't want me up front. 
riding with them. I made them stop at the travel lodge out on, on the highway going to Manaki because I knew that vendor opened a tent. So we got a case of beer there just to kind of get me up to Manaki. This is about an hour away, Jack, so you know, you've got to be prepared. Um, so I'm in the back and, you know, singing. I like to sing. I'm a coyote. Coyotes don't wear no clothes. <laughs> that was one of the tunes. <clears throat> and I'm trying to chop lines on the, the floor, Tom, and it's exploding all over the place. You know, it was one of those old bands with the shag rug. So now I'm on my hands and knees in the back, snorting up, you know, little bits of styrofoam and gravel. I knew there was some blow in there somewhere. But. And so we got there and I, you know, drank all day and played that night, somehow got through, you know, I'm nice to play. I mean, by then I'd figured out how, you, how to play drums and not have to stop you know, not have to wait till the next tune, you know, there was a break in the, so that I could have a quick drink, you know, between tunes. I learned how to drink while I was playing. And, um, well, I'll just show you how. I mean, it's pretty simple. Like, uh, this hand, the right hand is, oh, I just gotta get a beer here. Then I learned that I, if I used my left foot, I could do the do the hi hat like this. You see, have a little smoke, you know. I thought that was tremendously talented. <laughs> I still do, actually, you know. I could still do it. <clears throat> well, at that night, I, I ran out, and I crashed big time. And I, my, my youngest son, Ethan, was with, with us, and um, he had to hold me on the bench seat on the van going home because I couldn't sit up and I was so sick and I got back to town and I tried to find you know somebody to buy more and I couldn't even I couldn't even find a, a bootlegger for Sunday night and uh, and you know when the when you can't find coke dealers I mean that's just hell day um, and then as a matter of fact I mean they, they didn't they told me to not come around anymore it was such bad news and that's pretty bad you know when they the dealers tell you not to come around um, so it was a, it was a tough night, um, and somehow I just uh, you know I'd lost consciousness that night. And uh, the next morning I decided I would go to work. Now this is an interesting thing. Monday morning, gourds at work. This is a novel concept. And um, while I, I and I got in there and I, you know just sort of faking my way through the morning, just trying to you know even see the page. Um, 
I get a call from GL from First Step. And uh, I'd known him, you know, I'd seen him kind of on the periphery. And, but I, and I noticed that, you know, he didn't drink. And I, you know, you stay away from guys like that, you know, they're no fun. Um, but he, he just, he said, how are you feeling? I said, oh, I'm, I'm not doing too bad, you know. Uh, and he, he said, would you like to go to a meeting, Gord? And uh, I, you know, I'd never been to AA, I knew nothing about AA, but I know exactly what kind of meeting he was talking about. Uh, would you like to go to a meeting, Gord? And out of my mouth came these words, okay, I'll go. <laughs> Like, where did those words come from? <laughs> you know, that's not me. That's not me talking. Boy, if, I, if there is a moment of clarity in my, my story, there it is. Okay, I'll go. At about 4 o'clock that afternoon, I'd had some soup. I was kind of feeling a little better. I'm thinking, man, you, th I, you know, I think we've made a rash decision here. <laughs> I think I'll just go home and kind of have a nap. And, um, so I got into my van and um, I looked across the parking lot and there was GL. <laughs> you will come with me. And off we went to First Step for a 5.30 meeting. I couldn't believe my ears. I, I, I knew half the room. Uh, my, you know, I never wondered where these guys had gone, you know. And most of my buddies were either dead or in jail. Now the rest of them, they're in AA. Uh, <clears throat> so that was a pretty cool deal. I mean, I can't, just like Jack was saying, I, I can't remember a whole lot, but I, I, there was something there that I knew that I was going to be okay. I felt something in the room. And I would like to say that, you know, from that moment on, you know, I haven't found it necessary to have another drink. Uh, but I did. And I went, I went home. I met my first sponsor there, Dennis Dino. Um, and he got my number. I got his. Of course, I didn't use it, but he did. And uh, so he was calling me like every half hour. How are you doing now? What's going on now? I just want him to go away, you know. I'm dying. I need a drink so bad. <clears throat> and I had two beers in the fridge. So I cracked one and I just chugged it down and just to kind of relax. Just so that I could think a little deeper on what I'd heard in that meeting, you see. <clears throat> don't want to make too rash a decision here. So, but I got halfway through the second beer and um, this thing went off in my head saying, I think this is it. I think, I think we'll just pour this down, this, down the drain. I, I, I'd never ever done that. I'd never poured out half a beer. Down it went and Dennis called. I said, I think I've just had my last drink but I don't know how I'm going to go to sleep. He said, just get on your knees and ask God for a little help. I said, are you out of your, 
Are you out of your mind? <laughs> and he said, yeah, thanks for the compliment. So, you know, it was so crazy to me. I mean, I decided, well, I may as well try it, you know. It seems so nuts. So I did. I got on my knees and I said, God, I don't know who you are, what you are, but uh, man, I am desperate here. I need to sleep and I don't want to drink. And uh, I went to sleep. I've been doing that every day now uh, since uh, the 23rd of October. 1989. So um, I'm, I'm applauding you because without your sobriety, I wouldn't have mine. Thank you. Um, so from that moment on, we just uh, launched out on this uh, this adventure uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, and I I realized. Uh, you know, early on that, you know, I didn't have a drinking problem. Other people had problems when I was drinking, but not me. I love to drink. My problem was when I was not drinking. And I learned it early on in the doctor's opinion that uh, I am restless and irritable and discontented until I can have that sense of ease and comfort that come with a couple of drinks. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe my eyes when I read that. Well, that's me. That's me. And that's when I got hooked in right there, you know. And uh, I love the doctor's opinion. It's, it's so well written. It describes me to a T. <clears throat> so um, going through this process with my sponsor of just finding out that, you know, it's just a disease. And it is treatable. It's not curable, but it is treatable. Um, so I, I'm a, um, a big uh, fan of the steps. I sponsor a few guys, and I'm real clear about it. If uh, we're going to work together, we're going to do the steps. And because um, <clears throat> the thing happened for me, I mean, if it'll work for a, an old rock and roll ditch pig like me, it will work for anybody who wants it. That's the truth. I mean, we wrote at uh, Headingley the other night on Thursday, and, and man, you know, if anybody's looking for an opportunity to be, feel grateful, go to the jails. Go to the jails, man. They're just full of us. You know, I look out at those guys there, and they're all me, you know, and I listen to them, and, uh, you know, they, these are my brothers. So right about, you know, pre-step four, you know, I'm going through step one, two, three with the, on the step sheets with uh, with Dennis and and um, you know I'm just still whining and sniveling and you know uh, I, I looked at him one day and I said you know this is a shitty deal my program's not working and he says well Gord why don't you try ours because <laughs> this is the program that works eh? this is my little big book but I have this everywhere I go. You know, I, I don't go anywhere without this book because it's got the solution for every problem that, I, you know, it tells us real clear, you know, the main purpose of this book is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself that will solve your problem. He's almost stumped the table there. <laughs> That's going to solve my problem. 
the steps do it. And, um, oh God, you know, we're going through step two, and I've heard uh, Ken ask, describe insanity. Well, everybody knows the, the description of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, I heard a good one. Insanity is the hope of a better past. I mean, how nuts is that, you know? I want to reinvent that whole deal. You know, reinvent my family, you know. That would be crazy stuff, man. So that's the first step four was, you know, it was a good first try. Uh, and I got most of it out, you know. It was about 40 pages long. Um, and then came step five, which for me, I mean, that was the, that's really where I got step two. That's really where I felt the presence of God. Because uh, I went all the way through that first step five. I am trying to negotiate with Father Bill V. Some of you guys know him. A great man. I'm trying to negotiate with him. And I said, you know, I've done all this work, Bill. And it's, you know, it's, it's a shitty deal. I mean, these people, if they would just listen to me, we wouldn't have all these goddamn problems, you know, and I wouldn't have to keep drinking. And I meant that, you know, I, you know, I'm sure I've done your work, you know, I said, who am I resentful towards, what they did to me, fancied or real, uh, how did it make me feel, what was my part in it? Well, you know, geez, you know, I, just, I was just there. <laughs> A little limp on you, Jesus Christ. My life is so shitty. Negotiating with Bill, you know, with Father Bill. Trying to weasel my way out of the responsibility for my life. <clears throat> I said, man, if they just listen to me. And he said, did you, Gord, did you ever think to ask your family and the people that you work with what they wanted? I said, Bill, why would I ask them what they want when I already know what they need? <laughs> oh, I meant it too, you know. Um, and he just kept pounding away at me at that denial until I just finally gave up. And I fell into this huge man, you know, and just, there was no more running. I, I had nowhere to go. I couldn't drink my problems away. I couldn't drug my problems away. There's nowhere to go but to this power. And I felt it then. And uh, I'm feeling it right now. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's how it has to go for me. I just have to feel my way through it, you know, and it'll be okay. Because when I, I ran from that feeling my whole life, now I just feel it and go through. Because there's no way, there's no, I can't duck around it or over or under it anymore. I just got to go through. Wow, it's a beautiful deal. This is emotional sobriety that I feel today. And that's the whole deal. I mean, I know I got a brain disease. There's no question about it. You know, I got a brain disease. You know, it's the craziest disease there is. It tells you you don't have it. 
but uh, but it's the emotions that are caused by the thinking that's the problem and it's usually because it's not going God's way that's what I found out in step five maybe it's not supposed to go Gordy's way hmm? man that's a challenge to a drunk like me because I figure I got x-ray vision on what everybody else should be doing you know they're just not listening yeah well, anyway, through, I went through, uh, you know, the rest of the steps, I've, you know, like Jack was saying, you know, six and seven, I'm at six and seven every morning. That's, you know, God puts people and circumstances in my path every day to see, well, how are you going to behave this time, Gord? <laughs> you know, are you going to be this raging lunatic again, or are you going to, you know, just take a, you know, pause when agitated or doubtful, ask for the right thought or action? That's what, you know. That, that thing has saved my butt, I don't know, how many thousands of times. Pause when agitated or doubtful, asking for the right thought or action. I mean, that's a pretty cool little direction. <clears throat> and now I got into the amends, and boy, now, now we're talking about when things really started to open up for me. Is, uh, you know, I had the list from step four. I, you know, there was, a, you know, about 45 names there that... Uh, uh, God had me busy that first year, and and I was touring at the time too. I was out on tour with Fred Benner, and and we were you know we're touring all over the place, and all of my family is spread. And uh, and every town that we we're coming to, I was I was people were put in my path, friends, relatives, and all my job was was to just go to them and say simply, I was wrong wrong just makes me kind of puke to try and cough it up because I, all I wanted to do was say I'm sorry like I've done a million times right no this is different and say I was wrong and I'm in a program of recovery now and I'm determined that I'm not going to screw you over again ever and that's when things change for me with everybody. I sat in the backyard in, in Wolseley with my first ex-wife and um, and, uh, and I, I said this out loud to her, you know, I was wrong. I, I'm, I feel badly that I betrayed you and, uh, and put you and the boys through all this hell and I'm determined that it's going to stop now. And one of the ways that I'm going to show you that, that I am determined to do this is here is a year's worth of maintenance checks a year's worth post-dated and I promise you that there'll be a money in that account to cover that payment every month. You see, this is when I started growing up. Now that had never occurred to me. My sponsor suggested that to me. <laughs> okay? I mean, I don't think we talk enough about a financial amends, you know, in these meetings. You know, I mean, that's just part of my deal. I mean, when I started to clean it up, now, you know, it's, it's not paying people back my money is not paying them their money. <laughs> I ripped them off. It was their money. I got to give them their money back, right? So I learned, you know, after I'd done this about 25 times, man, I started getting wired to this deal. I said, bring on these amends. Let's get at her. And um, so, you know, when we read uh, 
well, I don't know, 80, page 84, I think it's, you know, after step nine, that's when the promises kick in. When we do the amends with everybody. And, um, Lord, I'm, you know, I live free and clear today. I stand before you, I look every one of you in the eye, and I know I don't owe anybody a nickel. Well, Tommy, the, the golf, that, you know, I, I'll get you later. But, uh, you know, that, I mean, I can stand here and say that out loud. Here, here's a situation when I was uh, eight years sober, we got into a business in the, you know, probably the best music festival that nobody ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> in this town, you know. <laughs> Man, we lost our ass. Half a million bucks. On one weekend. And, I, you know, I thought we were going to get rich, you know. I mean, I really went for the, the, the bait on this one. And we, I had to go and do amends with 75 creditors. Face to face. Cut deals, you know, 25 cents on the dollar, 50 cents. Some guy said, you know, you guys are in the ditch. You'll never get out. They just wrote it off. But I was still sitting there with, you know, a couple hundred thousand. And we didn't run away. We stayed in business uh, and kept grinding away on this thing. But the, the interest and all that, the loans and stuff, and, you know, it just we just were crippled. But we kept going. And, man, I was just puking it up at the meetings, and you know. Uh, <clears throat> Because I, I just, I, I was really, it was tough to sleep with all of this stuff. But um, it got to a point where about six years ago, I, um, I said, okay, I got to mortgage the house, I'm cashing in the RSPs, going to put all my life savings in there, and I'm going to pay it off. Because, you know, I couldn't, couldn't take it anymore. So I did. And... Uh, I just finished paying off the last loan five months ago. $160,000. It's over. Okay? So, I did it with help, believe me. But I'm done, you know? Like, I don't owe anybody anything. You know, I've got a car payment, and, you know, just like the Earth people. <laughs> but, uh,. You know, I mean, that's a, what a way to live, you know. There was a point, I, you know, this thing about, I mean, I'm still learning to, to be grateful for difficulty, you know. Um, there was a point there just before this all happened where uh, my, my second relationship decided that she'd had enough of Penny. She'd had enough of this recovery booga booga. She was still drinking and she wanted to keep going. Um, and I was just crazy. I was leaving the big book on the back of the toilet, on her pillow, you know, just so maybe she could read a little and better understand what I'm going through. But no, no, no. So she left and, um, you know, my sponsor and I were sitting on the front steps while watching these guys unload the house, you know, they just emptied the house. And it was all her stuff, I didn't want any of my junk furniture anyway. But, um, <clears throat> neat thing happened, big book study happened, like two weeks later, took over the house, bam, 14 weeks, blessed that house. 
right around then, my dad died. Three months later, after Penny left, my dad died. I didn't know I could puke up that so much, that much pain and still not drink. I just kept going to the meetings and coughing up every emotional furball that was there. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it passed. Then my kids left to go to Europe with their mom. She got a, a job over, overseas. Uh, my both of my sponsors left to go to the States to work down the States. So here we go. She's gone. Dad died. Kids uh, went to Europe. Uh, my both of my sponsors are gone. What the hell's going on? I mean, I'm feeling a lot of pain here. And I, I, like I'm deserted, you know. I was puking that up at, uh, at first step uh, one morning. After the meeting, Dorothy, God bless you, she comes up to me, she grabs me by the shoulders. She says, Gord, this is just wonderful for you. God must love you so much to give you this much pain as an opportunity to grow spiritually. You know, looking at me, how she looks at you, you know. I'm not going to repeat in mixed company what I told her she could do with her comment. You know, come on now. I mean, she was right, of course. But uh, it doesn't feel like that when you're going through this kind of stuff. Man, you know, it hurts. But uh, not once did it occur to me that perhaps a couple of cold beverages might solve the problem. Not once did it come in. I had been to probably 20 big book studies by then. I, you know, I'm doing the work, it's paying off. I know in my guts that I don't need to drink and use anymore. I, and I knew it then. It was just, it was just painful. <clears throat> so I'm really careful these days, you know, like, uh, I mean, I was going through this thing about, you know, Every time something would happen, I'd say, I'd be on my knees and, God, help me be strong. You know, help me, give me some strength here. You know, and every time I asked for, for strength, he, even, he gave me even more difficulty to make me stronger. You know, <laughs> like, what is that? So the hell with that crap. You know, I'm, I'm not praying for strength or anything anymore. It's just, I will be done. Let's go, you know. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I don't know, just, you know, I don't know what God is, but I sure as hell know where, where he is, you know, he's here, you know, he was in that first meeting that I came to, and I have learned that God loves us just because we're here, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way, huh? <laughs> eh? So I found out, you know, that, that you know, I love the, the big book because it tells me what my problem is. I, it gives me the solution to my problem. And it gives me this beautifully planned program of action to carry out the solution to my problem. What a deal. Where else are you going to find something like that, man? I am, geez, I'm getting on here. Um, I want to talk about what's happening today. Uh, 
I'm having a good time in AA. I've, I've been uh, I've been an AA road warrior. I, I have been out touring all over Europe and, and North America. I'm having a good time in AA, man. I get to, that's the first call I make when I get to town. I'm calling central office. Where's that meeting? If I can't get there because I'm playing, at least I have touched base with those guys and I know they're there. I know they're there, and I, I have a good conversation with the guy in central office. Terrific. That has been working for me since day one. I listen to AA tapes on the planes and the tour buses, everywhere. It's waiting, waiting. You know, we don't get paid to play; we get paid to wait. <laughs> so, and, and while I was waiting, I would listen to all these AA tapes. It was great. That's how I stayed sober on the road. When I was a couple of years sober, I, I, I went to. Oh, I got a gig in Akron. If you're ever anywhere near Akron, go to Dr. Bob's house. Take advantage of it. Go to Dr. Bob's. It's a fantastic experience. So we got this gig. The gig finishes. I've got two hours before the plane takes off. I run out the door. I jump in the cab. I say, 8.55 Ardmore. The guy looks around and the cabbie looks at me. He says, oh, you're going to Dr. Bob's. You one of those drunks? <laughs> I said, yeah, you? Yeah, let's go. So off to Dr. Bob's. I walk up the steps, there's old Joe E, the caretaker. He asked me what my name is, puts his hand out. He says, well, I'm Joe. Gord, welcome home. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't know this was going to happen, so this is good. I went in with this old Joey, and we sat down at the, at the table in the kitchen where they cooked this program up, had a cup of coffee out of the old coffee pot, bought a couple of souvenirs. I drank at Dr. Bob coffee pot. And, um, oh, what a treat that is. You, you got to go there. And I really felt like, a, you know, that guy's, that's where it all started. Pretty good deal. Oh man. I gotta tell you this quick story. How much time? Okay. Um, I, I gotta talk about uh, just step 12 because I've had such a good time with it. Uh, my sponsor got me going right out of the, right the get-go. Uh, I mean, pretty much as soon as I'd done my step five, he said, okay. I was still whining and sniveling a few days. And he says, that's enough. Go help that newcomer. I've had, heard enough. And um, so I looked at him in amazement, and I said, Dino, this guy can't find his own ass with both hands and a compass. How, how is helping him going to help me? And he says, probably the same way that trying to help you is helping me. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I did, you know, and from the get-go, like within two minutes of talking to this guy, all I had to do is say, well, how are you feeling? And he started telling me, and that was it. Poof, all of my bullshit just disappeared. Like that. Like that. I'm not thinking about me. I'm, like, I'm, 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 talk I'm concerned about this guy, you know? And we're talking about his problem with our solution. And that's where I made the connection. Right around that time, he says, now you've got to get doing some service work. 
go clean those ashtrays. I had stopped smoking three years before I got to AA. <laughs> I am not going to wash your ashtrays, Dino. I said, okay, well, phone somebody else next time you're hitting the ditch emotionally. And I, and I really, it really pissed me off. I, <clears throat> so, uh, so I started washing the ashtrays. And you talk about a justifiable resentment. And I would, it was just you know, like every day, you know, I'd go every morning and, and I'd be picking up the ashtrays, putting them in the garbage and, and then washing them. You know, washing the ashtrays. Christ almighty. And I'm telling them, you know, this is just bullshit. You know, this, how is this helping me stay sober? Just keep doing it. You know, you'll find out later. About three weeks later, I'm talking to a newcomer right after the meeting, and some other guy, you know, starts picking up the ashtrays and start watching. I go over and I say, hey, those are my ashtrays. <laughs> you see how AA works? Well, in spite of me. I'm, I'm sober and clean today in spite of me, not because of me. It's just entirely contrary to the way my mind works. So it, this is really good. I'm, I'm, I'm in a sober relationship today. I, I want to celebrate with you people that Diane and I have just celebrated our 10th year of being together in sobriety. 10 years is a... <laughs> That, that's a lifetime for an algae, you know. <laughs> Ten years, I mean, I've never been with anybody longer than, you know, a, a, a couple of months or... But, uh, <laughs> you know. Anyway, it's, it's just been such a thrill. I, we, we started going out, like, when, when the, the second marriage... Yeah, the, when the second marriage stopped, um, my sponsor said, why don't you just give these gals a rest for a little while? <laughs> They'll survive without you, Gord. I couldn't believe what, that he would say that to me, you know? Uh, and uh, so I tried it and said, well, you know, I don't know if I can do that, you know? He said, just try 90 and 90, you know? Just try, you know, well, how about 30? I could probably maybe do 30. I could make it maybe a week. I'd always had somebody there, you know. I got a lot of validation out of women, you know. That's that's how I, I identified myself. I didn't I didn't know I could be okay. You know? He said, "Is Gord going to be okay with just Gord and God? Yes or no?" And I didn't know. I'd never tried it. I said, "Okay, well, I'll give it a try." And we did it one day at a time because. You know, I'm going to the meetings. I'm objectivizing women there in the meetings. I'm, you know, I'm checking out all the newcomer gals. I'm thinking, you know, I should go and talk to her. I could help her. My sponsor caught the play one day when I was, you know, just sitting there, you know, off in La La Land. And, uh, and right after the Lord's Prayer, I make a beeline to this gal. And he jumps right in my path. He goes, think. Where do you think you're going? 
I said, well, I just want to go talk to that gal. You know, she's in a lot of pain. I could, I could probably help her. I said, well, you know, what's this going to sound like? I said, well, we just go for a coffee and talk about God. I said, look, she's surrounded by three sober women. She's going to be fine. How are you feeling? What's in it for Gord? I had to do a complete set of steps around this. I had to do it, man, because I was powerless over relationships, too. And sex and all the other stuff, and just throw it all in the pot there. You know, I'm powerless over the whole deal. <clears throat> right around then, we started to do these, these uh, Saturday night parties. There's a lot of us single people and sober, and we didn't know, you know, we didn't like being alone on Saturday night. So we started doing these things called Saturday night stir-fry for strays. Oh boy, that was fun. Yeah, you'd have a house full of people. I mean, you know, this is like six, eight months after Penny's left. The house is empty, but it's full of recovery. Oh man, we'd have meetings on every floor. <laughs> Cooking, you know, just we'd cook for six hours. Feed everybody, and then feed them again, you know. And Diane and I met in the, the Saturday Night Stir Fry for Strays. Because we were the two little Al-Anons at the end, cleaning up the mess after all the drunks and the addicts had left, you see. <laughs> I'm a recovering member of Al-Anon too, by the way. Double winner. <laughs> I was more like a double whiner there for a while. <laughs> you know what she said this time? <laughs> Someone whine about her in AA and whine about her in Al-Anon. But that's when Diane and I got connected in, in these, these deals, and we started sharing our step ones, you know? And, uh, you know, we just held hands for the first year. Just held hands for the first year. <laughs> yeah, I'm not making that up. So, um, boy, it's been fun. And, and, I mean, it was pretty terrifying when we finally, you know, made the big leap. Just terrifying. You know, learning how to do it sober. That's a challenge. Because you got to show up, you know. And... cool you know we invite we invite God into the into the bedroom these days I mean that that's a fantastic situation that I can you know like you can't really make love if you if you're not available you know and I and I'm really having the some of the steps I'm working on now are just my emotional availability to her because I come home from work sometimes I'm just woo, you know and I just gotta kind of you know I gotta come home and pray, you know? I wanna be with her. And try not to eat my way, you know, think my way through dinner, you know? Just off, gone again, just <clears throat> I wanna be there with her. So, what a, this is a pretty good deal. And, um, okay, I think I'm done.
So I want to, when I, I mean, oh, don't rush me off now. <laughs> Jesus, you know, oh, God, he's done. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I, I just want to just say one last thing. You know, the, the AA has saved my life, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful to you guys for, for giving this new life to me. There's a few things that I, I, I have a life that, where I'm free. You know, I feel free. I can do just about anything I want to do. <clears throat> All I got to do is keep sharing it. I just need to keep passing it back or passing it forward. You know? I was at a meeting in San Antonio, and we listened to the sheriff talk, tell his story. And I was sitting beside this live wire drunk. And he could hardly, you know, it was, he was trying to smoke, he was trying to drink his coffee. And after the meeting, you know, I shook his hand and say, how are you doing? And I go off on this whole story about, you know, God, it's just wonderfully sober. And, you know, I get to travel all over the place. And, oh, look at me, you know, aren't I having a great life? And, you know, this guy's, oh, you know. <laughs> and I, out of the corner of my eye, I see this little Mexican guy come over. He, he's watching us. He comes over and he, he looks up at me and says, hey, what's your name, man? And I, I say, Gord, Gord, what, what the hell kind of name is Gord? And, and I said, well, it's short for Gordon. Gordon, Gordon. Wow, yeah. I think I'm going to call you Flash, Gordon. <laughs> yeah. You got them flashing eyes, man. Wow, you're really on fire with the program, eh? You must be one of those AA gurus we hear so much about. Yeah, wow. I didn't like this conversation, <laughs> you know. Uh. Then I watch him go over and 12-step this newcomer. And all he did was say, how are you feeling, man? And this guy said, I just won't, don't want to drink tonight. And I watched George sit down with this guy and 12-step him and tell his story so simply and generously. And man, did I learn something there, man. Because, you know, I'm so grandiose. I mean, I, I just go off, you know. I forget who I'm talking to. I've got to pay attention. I want to do it simply, with generosity. So I sponsor guys today because I want to live free. That's why. They, they're, they're doing me the favor. Somebody asked me, me uh, to sponsor them. They, I'm, I am the, the recipient of the favor because I'm not thinking about me all the bloody time. And I pray for other people so that I can live free. I, I never knew that that was the catch. Got to pray for them, no matter what, no matter what's happened. And I forgive others so I can live free today. And if it will work for a burned out, washed up old rock and roll ditch pig like me, it will work for anybody who wants it. I love you all. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.